What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey everybody, we're back once again. It's the Between the Ropes podcast. Brian Fritz, Connor Casey here with you few things to go over from this past weekend. It was a supersized weekend. Everything seemed to happen on the same weekend between uh, NXT TakeOver up in Toronto. The following night, we had SummerSlam. We had the regular week of WWE television. That was this weekend? I missed all of that. Oh, no. How are we going to do this podcast, Connor? Who knows? Did you at least watch the G1? Because, I mean, it wasn't like we just had one night of that or two nights of that. No, we had three nights of the G1. Yeah, I I watched what I didn't see. I saw in GIFs. The rest I actually watched. I warned my wife late last week and I told her like my schedule. And I said, hey, every morning I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be watching wrestling, a.k.a. the G1. And... Then on both Saturday and Sunday night, I'm watching wrestling shows and I'm live blogging them. And she uh, she appreciated the heads up. Now, does your wife watch wrestling with you or is she not a fan? She is not a fan. Uh, she will sit on the couch and read a book while I'm watching. And then every now and then she'll pop her head up and she goes, what the hell's going on? <laughs> That is, that is love right there to be willing to sit and watch it even if you're not interested the one thing that she has noted before though is that one time she looked up and she goes that guy has some really good hair which wwe superstar was my wife talking about mid-2000s triple h uh no i'm this just happened uh within the last couple of months Ooh, this is a tough one was it Edge from this past this past Sunday? No, it was not Edge. He does, he got the Lions mane back. I was I ha- appreciated that. God, every Daniel Bryan. No, dang. My wife is not a fan of beards either, and I can't uh, grow one, so she's got that. Uh, it was AJ Styles. <laughs> the mom haircut. It was AJ Styles. <laughs> That's great. And I had to go out of my way to show her the uh, the infamous gift from WrestleMania in Orlando where the wind blew just so right. <laughs> the amazing Glorious. gift. L'Oreal, you're worth it. Yes. Uh, let's start off with the G1 since we did have three nights of that. And we finally have a winner. We had the, uh, the finals of the A block on Saturday morning. We had the finals of the B block on Sunday. And then we had the finals of... The entire tournament on Monday, just in case you hadn't had enough wrestling all weekend. And in the end, 
Kota Ibushi beats Jay White in the finals. And now Kota has the briefcase. And as long as he doesn't lose it between now and January, and as long as Kazuchika Okada does not lose the heavyweight championship between now and then, we're going to have Okada against Ibushi for the IWGP heavyweight championship at Wrestle Kingdom 14th, a two-night affair, January 4th and 5th in the Tokyo Dome. Now, Brian, was this not one of the people that I picked months ago as one of the potential G1 winners? Yes. The answer is yes, it was. Yes. So, yes, I was right, ladies and gentlemen. I know. I'm great. I will admit this. When, When we were going over, like, who kind of our favorites were, I was with you with Ibushi in a lot of different ways, and I was trying to think who else there was. And then when he came out of the gate, slowly and i was looking at points and whatever i was just like oh, he's already lost a couple of matches i'm like is he basically out of it like they're they're throwing us a, you know a curveball here we're not going to get a bushy what was i thinking they do this every year you get sucked into it every year just when you think like oh that guy's out of it he's already lost two matches then they go on a run and come the last uh day or two there's multiple people that are still in the running, especially for the B block. I mean, that one literally came down as the show was going on to the final match where they announced to the crowd, like, hey, this match that's about to take place between Jay White and Tetsuya Naito, the winner of this wins the B block. And I mean, it's, it's fascinating the way that they're able to put that all together and, and kind of work out the blocks in the manner that they do. Exactly. And when you had two people like Naito and White that, had some really weak starts. Suddenly, they're at the end going for it when Moxley, who had kind of taken up all the headlines, particularly from the B block, he was out earlier in the show. There was a point where I was sitting there going, I don't know how Moxley is not going to be in the finals. And they still found a way to do it because of the tiebreaker system and everything. And have him lose his last four matches. That's how you do it. Right. Including to Yano, where he got counted out because he was uh, taped to one of the if that uh, young boys. Was the only. If that was the only loss he had of the tournament, that I would have been fine with that because that's fun. Same with me. And I, I kind of thought that's where they're going to go because even though Moxley obviously is not full-time with them and he's going to be working with AEW or already is, that I thought, well, you know, he's still going to do New Japan shows in outside of the United States. So it makes sense for them to kind of like make another guy that could be another big star for them. But And, and while they did that, at the same time, they weren't going to put him in that elite position and that being in the finals of the G1. Right. Now, now that it's over, I know you've compiled your favorite matches. I have. From this tournament. I will admit I fell off the last couple of nights Mm. after promising that I was going to watch the whole thing start to finish. Life got in the way. So. I can understand that. Now, it's funny because like a, I put together this list and it's all over the place when it comes to all the different nights. But I will say this, one of the last nights of the tournament, night 17, was one of the best nights of the entire tournament. Um, oh, that makes sense. You know, and I mean, that was, but there was also another one. I'm trying to think which, which night was it? I think it was night 13. Yeah, night 13, which... You know, you're, you're, you're coming down the home stretch, but it's not like one of the final nights. That was an amazing night, too, because that was the night that you had Tanahashi taking on uh, Kota Ibushi. 
And Okada losing to Sonata finally. Yep, you had that match on that night as well. So that was that was an amazing night. It's you know, I, I put together this list because it was an assignment that I had for sporting news. And like any list, they're all subjective. Wrestling is subjective overall. And I mean, everybody's going to have their differences of opinion. That's perfectly fine. But when you try to come up with what do you think were the 10 best matches and try to put them in order, not that that's ever going to be right, but to try to do that uh, for a tournament like this, it's ridiculously hard. It really is because you're sitting there and you're like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, oh, yeah, that happened. I don't want to forget about that. And it's it's difficult to do and i mean everybody can totally disagree with me on on the list and it's going to be on sporting news's website hopefully thursday morning so by the time everybody's listening to this but um it was not an easy thing to do to try to to put this in order and as you can imagine there was plenty of koto abushi there was plenty of tanahashi there was plenty of will osprey there's got to be one match from osprey and i think you know which one i'm picking which match it's are you picking? It's got to be on that list. And which Osprey ma- Okada. And that is my number one there match. There you go. That match is a work of art. It really is. And and I know, I mean, like I said, everybody can have their own difference of opinion. And I mean, there there's probably like five different matches that you could say, oh, that was the best match of the tournament. You know, um, Kota Bushi against Jay White. I know a lot of people are talking about that one. The only reason I didn't put that in the top spot is because... We had a ref bump and we had an interference once again. And that had been something that had happened the entire tournament, especially when it came to Jay White matches. And I get that, you know, that that's what they wanted to do. I got a little bit tired of the of the ref bumps and the interference during the tournament. That That's my only criticism, basically, of this tournament. But that's why I knocked that match down just a spot. And I mean, Osprey and Okada was just... I mean, you're, you're talking about two guys that are really on the top of their game right now. And uh, and they have such wonderful chemistry together. They make it look easy when it's something what they're doing is actually extremely difficult. So I I had a hard time not keeping that in the top spot. I've, you know, I've got Tanahashi against Ibushi in here. Um, one guy that maybe I didn't give his proper due in this, and I'm trying to remember how many times I put him in here. Um, but no, I've got two matches for him. Is... Um, Takagi, Shingo. Really? Okay. Oh, Shingo was, he was amazing in this tournament. I mean, going into this, everybody thought, okay, you got Shingo Takagi. Oh, wow. He's going to be in the G1. Didn't see that one coming. And he's in there and everybody still kind of considers him a a junior heavyweight. Which was ridiculous from the start. The man is built like a house. He is. And he went out there and a lot of his matches, he looked like, I know I'm not winning this tournament, but I've got something to prove. I'm going to show to everybody that I belong in the heavyweight division. I can sit here and I can bang with the big boys and I can still do all of my stuff that I normally do. And he went out there with a mission, you know, and just he killed it. A couple of the matches he had, like uh, the match with Ishii, the match with Naito, the match I did not put in my top 10, but the match he had with Goto on the uh, final night was a ridiculous one as well um but there's only 10 spots in here so something's going to get missed but um i mean overall it was an amazing tournament i I don't think anybody's really surprised that abushi won but it also feels like it's very much the right decision i don't think he's going to lose the case between now and january i don't think okada's going to lose the title yeah i mean it would be rare i even over the weekend i was sitting there thinking okay what could they do if they want to do something a little bit different 
And I thought the one thing that they could have done differently maybe was that Jay White won the tournament, but then lost the briefcase sometime in the next couple of months to Ibushi. Right. And that way, Jay White can sit there and he can have his grievance. But, you know, they just did it straightforward, and that's perfectly fine. Okada's got title yeah. defenses between now and then, and but we don't expect them to lose the championship. Yeah, they really don't pull the trigger on those post-G1 to Wrestle Kingdom shows. Because there's a few. And it's always, oh, the, the champ will retain and the, the G1 winner will retain. And it makes you wonder if, if they're afraid to have the G1 briefcase guy lose it at some point. Yeah. Because then maybe it delegitimizes not only the G1, but the title match at Wrestle Kingdom. Because then it goes, oh, you won a month-long tournament and you got nothing out of it. And somebody else gets to wrestle them for the title. That's like, I almost wish they would be like, no, there's... You got you two don't defend anything up until that point. I know, even though there is a sizable gap between now and January. Yeah, it would be tough to do that, but yeah, I get where you're coming from because you just want this. Hey, let's not throw any you know anything you know impediments in the way. Let's let's play this straight up and let's just build the next five plus months to Which January. They essentially, do they just it's a. It's a weird, we're not going to acknowledge the fact that this never happens. Right, because like even the, the, the night of the finals, obviously they have other matches, and they did a tag team match where Minoru Suzuki pinned Okada in a tag team match, and that sets up a championship match between them coming up at the show they're going to be doing in London. Royal um, August, Yeah, August 31st. Which nothing else is going on that day, by the way. Nothing. Don't, don't look into it. Yeah, it's not like NXT UK or even like All Out is happening on that same day. What's what's that? I never heard of. <laughs> so so that's going on then. So Suzuki's going to get a championship match, and they and they did that really really well. In that, remember if you go back to the beginning of the G One, everybody's like, wait a second, Minoru Suzuki's not in there, and then they do this tag team match, and he beats Suzuki clean, and then afterwards he gets on the mic. And he goes, see what happens when you don't put me in the G1? <laughs> I get pissed. Right. So he's getting the title match. Sonata beat Okada during this tournament, so we expect him to probably get, you know, a, a crack at the championship sometime in the next few months. And I almost hope they they wait after they wait till after Wrestle Kingdom with him because I don't need to see Sonata lose to Okada again. Because we're coming up on like nine times now. I think he lost six times in a row before he won the match in the G1. Okay. But yeah, it was a bunch of times. Like, Remember last time I said, he's getting to Hiroki Goto territory. Right. <laughs> we were getting close to that. But uh, I mean, hey, Sonata looked really good in this tournament too. You know, I mean, everybody keeps wondering if he's going to take that next step. I'm, I'm not convinced if he really did or not. It means a lot that he beat Okada, but it still feels like... Is he there? Is he still like a half step off? You know, could he, is he a guy you could still see winning the championship in the near future or? You've got to put him over Naito, I think, for that to come across. Maybe. Naito is a guy that I think a lot of people thought was going to be in the finals. He, it's funny because he came down to him in the final match with the B block. He had a good tournament. He didn't have a killer tournament. No, I th- and wasn't the word that he was kind of hurt? There's been talk for a while now that his knees are pretty banged up, but he just doesn't take time off. It's kind of like with Tanahashi as well. doesn't take time off. And yeah. it's just like, I get it. You're the, the IC champion, but 
can you take three or four months off? Can we find a way to do that? Because I, I'd rather you take that time off and then come back and be healthy and be more durable and not have to deal with this issue. But that's just not the Japanese culture. And those no, guys just no. want to fight through injuries. So now let me ask you this. I asked you about this off air about this press conference code ahead after the win where what walk me through this. So he wants to fight for the heavyweight title on the fourth and then the IC title on the fifth. Yes. He basically said, wouldn't it be something if I won the heavyweight championship and then challenged for and won the IC championship the following night. Now, why put that out into the world if that's not happening? I don't know. <laughs> you you wouldn't. So that kind of telegraphs that that's what they're gonna do. Well, they, do they at least want to get. Well, they at least want to get that out there. I think whether yeah. they do it or not, they want to make it as like it's a possibility. I mean, if they want to showcase that, hey. Somebody else now is really in that that mix of top legends in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Obviously, Okada's already there. Tanahashi's there, even though he's now 42. And you can start to see, like, this next chapter of his career. This is the first time that, you know, he was 4-5 and in the tournament. And, I mean, he wasn't over 500 for the first time in, like, I don't know, nine years or something like that. Yeah, not a factor. But if you want to talk about, like, let's really cement the guy as a top 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 guy in new japan pro wrestling um and it's not to say abushi isn't already one but to not only make him the heavyweight champion but to do something unprecedented and also win the ic championship at the same time on back-to-back nights i mean that would be incredible now when i first heard this i got flashes of Chris Jericho winning the undisputed championship. I believe that was 2001 when he did that with Austin and rock. Sounds right. Somewhere around there. Now, let me, let me pitch this to you. Ibushi, Okada, Naito, Moxley. That's night one. That's night one. Okay. The two winners face each other at night two and Moxley wins and becomes undisputed champion. And you just have to deal with it. I don't think Moxley's going to win the championship. Screw it. Why not? Or give it to, <laughs> give it to Osprey, you cowards. So that means Moxley's going to lose the United States Championship before Wrestle Kingdom. See, everyone assumes that the matches would juice then. They're, they're, they've got shows between now and then. I, I don't think they wait that long for the rubber match. For That's what I'm saying. Like for, this. For, for your scenario, he would have to lose that championship before January. Right, and then he turns around and goes, wait, I beat Naito in the G1. That means I get to fight you. Sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. They could easily do that. I mean, and I don't know when I they're going to... I don't seriously think they would do that with Moxley, but I, I do... I'm always for a guy holding two belts. I always think there's a, there's a fun visual there. But if we're if we're talking about... Because then the, then the speculation will become, oh, are they, are they getting rid of the IC title? Are they retiring it? Because they just want one major championship because the fact is they, there are too many championships in new japan right but, but i mean the, if you're going to get rid of one get rid of those junior heavyweight tag titles and combine the two tag divisions because those are a joke right now well you could get rid of that and you could also get rid of the never open weight championship because you've already got the united states championship like the united states championship is it, it i'm not saying it's worthless it's just it's overkill I mean, it's, the they, Gaijin, it's the Gaijin title. Right. But, I mean, you, you don't need that championship. You just don't need it. I mean, 
there there's there's more excitement was, in the simplicity of having fewer belts in New Japan. It was something for you know Omega as a as a complimentary prize or compensation for having these killer matches with Okada and getting nothing out of it. And then they used it for hey we've got all these U.S. shows let's you know let's have this title be defended over there. And now it's like okay it's it's on Moxley and that's cool, but. It's not like he's going to go defend this over in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, I think your scenario, though, whether or not they face on night two, who knows what they would do there. But, I mean, those two matches, I mean, Ibushi and Okada, we know that's going to happen as long as, you know, they don't lose between now and then when it comes to their briefcase and title. But, I mean, to do a Naito-Moxley match, that actually makes a lot of sense to do. I mean, if he drops the U.S. title before uh, then... You know, Naito could get a strong win over Moxley, you know, because Moxley's going to be there. I, he uh, told Sports Illustrated that um, he is going to be over with um, New Japan Pro Wrestling through at least Wrestle Kingdom. So that match makes a lot of sense. And um, maybe Hiromu comes back at Wrestle Kingdom as well. That'd be something. Yeah. And the one guy that I think following this past weekend, people really were wondering, like, Okay, is he going to be at Wrestle Kingdom? And that's Shibata. They did the big angle on, uh, you know, the show on Monday during the finals where Kenta turned heel and joined. Well, he had already been kind of heelish anyway, but he joined Bullet Club. Kenta Club. Right. So Kenta's out there and he was cleaning house. He's in the ring alone and Bullet Club were... I believe they were at ringside. They were somewhere. And out of nowhere, the crowd, you could just hear like this buzz in the air. Like, what is going on? Then somebody is at a full sprint, hits the ring, and just starts beating the piss out of Kenta. And you're like, oh, my God, that's Shibata. Like, what the hell is going on right now? And the dude is just jacked. I mean, he's got, you know, he's got his six-pack of abs, and and he just starts drilling him. I mean, we just... He's killing Kenta. He's hit him with hard shots, hard forearms, hard elbows, kicks him right in the face, everything. And Bullet Club tries to get in there to break it up. And he hits them with elbows. And every time he hits an elbow, a guy goes flying like they just took a stone cold stunner from 20 years ago. And, yeah. you know, it's all this over exaggerated stuff. And in the end, they, they beat up Shibata. They're very careful about it. No shots to the head, even though he did take a penalty kick to the chest. And then the big thing was Kenta sat Indian style on Shibata's chest with the rest of the Bullet Club around. And mm-hmm. immediately you think, wait, can Shibata actually wrestle again after everything that he went through? And, okay, Shibata, Kenta, Wrestle Kingdom, if, if this guy's been cleared, they could do that. But now the word is, supposedly, Shibata's not cleared and probably I, would never I be did, cleared. I didn't think he would be. You know, bleeding on the brain is not a... It's not even like Brian's concussion situation where you can go and theoretically get treatment for it. Like he did some serious damage and yeah. was and was very close to not ma- I mean, not very close, but there's a situation there where he could have not made it easily. Yeah, I, I, I know. Every, I know a lot of people in Japan love Shibata. I know he was part of that new wave of talent that was coming in with Tanahashi and Nakamura, but you have to face realities. And one match isn't worth dying over. Oh, absolutely not. For as respected as he is, and people love him over at the LA Dojo and what he's doing to help with training, like 
the the guy maybe can't you know be a future world champion, but he can still contribute. Yeah, I mean that's why I was surprised to even see him get physical in any manner because you were talking about somebody that suffered you know bleeding on the brain. I mean, he almost died, and yeah. we knew his career was over at that point. Then he's out there getting physical, and I was just like, was there some kind of breakthrough technology or you know something medical? something that that is allowing him to possibly get back in the ring and have another match but that's that's not going to happen i mean it would would be wild if he ever was in a match and i would never do it i can't imagine a doctor ever clearing him but they they did the big angle a lot of people loved it uh and the big thing out of it though was kenta is now part of bullet club cool he can be the one to replace jay white so you think jay white's going to be out of bullet club I don't know what they're doing with Jay White. Nobody Jay. does right now. You know, of, of all the stuff that we talk about, and we'll wrap up G1 on this, in that there was a lot of people that had just fantastic tournaments. You know, Ibushi did, Osprey did, uh, I mentioned Shingo. Juice. Juice looked really strong. With, with his Technicolored Undertaker getup. Or as John Moxley called it, his Jazzercise outfit from 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> but people overlook Jay White. And I think some of that is, you know, just the way that he won some of these matches. Obviously, Gato's out there. They do the interference. They do the ref bumps. It can get really, really annoying. There are still plenty of people that look at Jay White, uh, despite him being, you know, a former heavyweight champion now and everything that he's done there and saying, I still don't buy him. I I just, I I don't think he's there yet. And I, I think it was he was shot up so quickly, and at the same time the elite was on their way out the door, that he was he felt like he was their replacement answer. He was like we we need some we need some guidance in here that you know the American audience can can relate to. Uh, uh, Jay, you're white. Get over here. Like, I mean, he's he's good. Don't get me wrong. If he wasn't good, he wouldn't be able to have matches. With guys like Tana and Okada that are, you know, three to four stars. But there's nothing to me, the 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 it factor with Omega and Styles and Devitt, you know, all the previous leaders of the Bullet Club, they all had an air of, you know, magnetism to them and an it factor. And with Jay, it's just it's missing. It's it's he, he's using a knife that he can't use in matches. His his pants are always cut up like he's been cutting himself with a knife it's like what what's the shtick like what is your thing you look like a knife pirate we call you the knife pervert what the heck does that even mean well i think some of it with him though is just how hard he is trying to be a despicable character in that you know he's he's out there and he's just like I'm gonna make sure there is nothing likable about me. I'm gonna go out there and make sure like I can have good matches, but guess what? You're gonna hate my guts and what I say, who I interact with, and that I've got Gato out there trying to help me uh, take shortcuts, Gato all those different and, things. And Jado and there's Tomatonga over here with infinitely more charisma than you do. I think that hurts it too. It might. But and part of it is too, like you said, just so much got thrust on him in such a, a quick period of time. I think it's one of those things where Jay White is in a very good spot. I think he's done a really good job, but he's still an unfinished product. I mean, yeah. the the one thing that he has done, uh, whether you like the way that it's, it's happened or not, 
is they have at least made him into the biggest villain in New Japan. And that really means a lot, especially for the Japanese audience, because you, you saw those last couple of matches, especially like that, that, uh, that last night when it came to the finals, like Kota came out to the ring. And even before Jay came out there, man, they were ready. They were in boo mode. I mean, that crowd, I mean, for a Japanese audience, I mean, they were vocal the entire match. I mean, from bell to bell. And they were just like, we do not like this guy. We love Abushi, and it would just break our heart if Jay White beat Abushi and got the case. For sure. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Moving on. The long weekend. Uh, actually, I'm not even going to talk too much about Ring of Honor because, I mean, Ring of Honor did have their, their show on Friday night. And they had Ladder War X going to give it to you. They did have that ladder match where the Briscoes once again tried to kill themselves. Kind of, yeah. So, I mean, that was and, a blood fest. But, man, I saw I saw photos of the crowd and was just like, damn. I know. I mean, what did they have? Maybe 400 people? I never looked at numbers, but... It, it was... It was... It was weird because when you think of WrestleMania weekend, you'll, all these other groups will have shows and they'll all be packed. And they try to do the same thing for SummerSlam weekend up in Toronto. And number one, it's in Toronto, which it's just a tougher commute. I think that hurt a lot, of, especially these guys, in that American fans that wanted to travel up might have been less inclined because, oh, crap, now I need to get my passport updated. Between this, that, that and the other. Yeah, and it, it's more expensive to fly up there. And, you know, Toronto is not a, the cheapest city anyway. Plus, on top of that, it's just like SummerSlam is not your typical traveling show. People don't always do that. And guess what? People that are that will travel for wrestling, it's nothing against, I don't want to go to TakeOver and SummerSlam and some of the other shows that are going on. But it's like, I just went to AEW. I'm going to AEW again, coming up here with All Out. You know, I went to WrestleMania weekend. Uh, You know, so, I mean, there's all these other things that are going on. So, when it came to Ring of Honor and a bunch of independent shows that happened, everybody struggled in attendance, unless you were NXT or WWE. Right. I I wish they would, because they've already announced the next one's going to be in Boston. And it's not going to be at Fenway. It's going to be at the TD Garden, like any other... Raw or pay-per-view they do. I kind of liked that it was consistently in L.A. or Brooklyn. And that it was in a hub, a good wrestling market, where consistently every year other shows could plan around it. So that it really did feel like it was a full wrestling weekend. They're going to try and repeat this next year in Boston. And I still think it's not going to have the same vibe as it would if it were in Brooklyn. 
I wonder if one of the reasons why they're moving around that is because they want to they want to make sure nobody else knows where they're going. <laughs> Just from a standpoint that but they you know, have to announce these schedules a year out. Well, they do, but at the same time, it's kind of like we can put the city on lockdown before then. If we are, if everybody already knows, already has, you know, all the facilities and knows, kind of has their setup and the regular groove when it comes to a city like L.A. or a city, especially when it comes to doing them, you know, in New York and Brooklyn. Yeah. Then it's kind of like, well, maybe we could put this a little bit more on lockdown when it comes to other shows I want to run here, you know, and try to keep them further away or so. I, I'm not exactly sure why they're moving around as much. Cause I mean, they did LA what five straight years and then they did Brooklyn. Something like, it was five like, straight? it was like LA for five Brooklyn for four. Yeah. And I think I went to all of the, I went to the last one in LA and I went to the first three in Brooklyn. I want to say. Thank you, 2K Sports. Uh, <laughs> we're fantastic hosts. Um, oh, I, I I, wouldn't know, Brian. You wouldn't know? I wouldn't know, but let's move on. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, it, was that a little bit too much knife uh, in the uh, in the side there with a twist? You, you need some <laughs> pork after you salted it. <laughs> so, um, you know, Ring of Honor did their show on Friday night. Uh, yeah. Saturday night, we got NXT TakeOver. The expectations, obviously, super high for that show. A little bit. And, I mean, obviously, it wasn't the greatest TakeOver they've ever done. It's it's even hard to kind of pick which one falls into that category. It was was still another strong show. I think some people are down on it. It's kind of a point now where it's just like, the expectations are so through the roof that even when it's really good, people are like, yeah, but in, we're at that stage now, I think. I think a couple of things worked against it. For one, they, they walked in and they did this on purpose where they said, we're going to have the Undisputed Era Challenge for every championship and their goal by the end of the night is to have all of them. And by the end of the first match, you knew that couldn't happen anymore. They were and not going to be draped in I, gold. I think that was a mistake. I think it was a mistake to start out answering a storyline we were all going in wondering about. Like, had you had O'Reilly and Fish win the tag titles back, then have Shayna, then have the EO match, then you're walking into the last two matches going, hey, there's still a chance. And then you're walking into the triple threat that everyone looked at this weekend and just salivated over. And in most respects, I think it lived up to it. But I think that that was a mistake in terms of booking on their part. I didn't – I have no problem with who won what match. But in terms of where you put them in order, I think that was a goof. Especially when you get to Baszler versus Yim, which – that I mean could have heard a pin drop at some points during that match. Like, I, I felt bad I for that the, one. I think guys were just ga- fans were just gassed by that point. Well, yeah, because I mean you already had three matches in. You had that wild triple threat match, and and they do this a lot of times. And it seems like it's always with Shayna Baszler matches. And it's not that she always says like her matches are bad. I mean this is probably the worst big match she's had like on a takeover, but. They always put her in this position where it's just like the crowd is really jacked, so let's bring them down just a little bit before we bring them back up, or or at least the crowd kind of picks the Baszler matches to feel like they're down or or take it down just a, another notch. And this one they really did, and I mean 
some of that was just the chemistry didn't always work. They got lost in the middle of the match. And, uh, and I don't think anyone bought Mia Yim this early on winning the title. Like we're all waiting. We're waiting for two things with Shayna: the horse women match that we may never get. Like we may get, but it might take time to actually make it happen. And the other one is have the baby face that everyone supports getting behind her and taking on Baszler and overcoming the odds and winning. And, and I'm, I'm not sure who that is. I get maybe it's Candace. My vote is Candace, but people are talking about Dakota Kai being the other option, even though her storyline with her was, I'm afraid. It's like, so we, we got to turn this into you're the girl that can beat Shayna. Like, Come again? See, Candace is the perfect person for this now, especially coming off that match at Io Shirai, which you can make the argument that that was the best match on the show. And they had a hell of a match. I mean, they just, they did, they, they were just killing it out there. It, and, it, and was, I know, it was the match of the night until a cage showed up. Yes. And then it became not the match of the night. But we'll right. get to that. So, I mean, but I mean, Candice LeRae is, seems like the right kind of person to where you can, she can be this fighting underdog. It's like the spirit of Johnny Gargano, you know, considering that, you know, they're a real life couple, but that that's what they can Which, do. Are they a real life couple? They never mentioned that on television. It certainly wasn't her only characteristic for the first two years she was with the company. Yeah, I know. Right. So, but I mean, we kept waiting for like, when are they going to do something really meaningful with her on her own? And when's she going to have that killer match? And this match killed it. I mean, they went out there. I mean, you look at that thing. It felt like it went on for, in a good way. It felt like it went on there for 20 minutes. It was 15 minutes. It was just sharp, crisp, emotional. They took a ton of risks in that match. They were all over the place and they were fantastic each step of the way. And I mean, I, I think. They proved a lot of people what they're both capable of because for Candace, she'd been waiting for that big moment. And I think for Io Shirai, people are like, she's really good, but we're waiting for what's that one, that next step where she really breaks out. And we really feel like, okay, it's not going to be, you know, like some other people that come from overseas to NXT and right. can't figure it out. She figured it out. I mean, to get over with this audience and really have a good match with this style. With her, the, the struggle was. How do you stick out from Asuka and Kairi Zane? Because yeah. we've already had two established Japanese wrestlers come over and dominate NXT's women's division. To the point when, when Io showed up, it's like, oh, it's it's another Kairi, only this one does flips. Like, like there wasn't a lot to differentiate her from Kairi, minus the pirate gimmick. So this new this new shtick, it's awesome. People love it. And she's got so much attitude with her when she's in the ring now. Yeah, being a heel. I mean, the the new outfit she came out with, the new music, the new persona, basically just everything. It just just kind of clicks the way that that uh, they put it together for this match. Uh, I, I'm with you though. When they when they opened up the show, I was surprised. Undisputed Era did not win that match. I and Street Profits won. It's nothing against Street Profits, but I I just didn't think they were going to win. I I thought like, okay, those guys feel like they're on their way to the main roster. They've already been popping up there, you know, but now feels like an opportune time to maybe take the NXT titles off of them, and they did not do that. And by the way, Montez Ford, that dude has got some serious hops. Oh, my goodness. The man is money. The promos Without that he's question. even doing on TV now, especially when it comes to, well, the stuff that both of them are doing, you know, obviously on TV, this, 
I, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit. That skit they did with Ric Flair at SummerSlam backstage. That was, that was some good stuff. Dude, I took a screenshot of Montez Ford doing the woo cross-eyed, it's, and that's not my picture. That's, yeah. my, that's my picture on Twitter now. It's so good. I mean, Ford, Ford kills me every time, but I, I was surprised by that. And then the Adam Cole-Johnny Gargano match with Cole winning the two out of three falls match and keeping the championship, I I feel like it's in some ways has become this polarizing match where people say it didn't live up to expectations. Other people say it was the best match of the night. Some people said there was, uh, they tried to do too much out there or didn't like the steps or there's, there's a variety of different discussions that have gone on about this match. It's, it wasn't perfect, but you got to remember a couple things. They've already had a two out of three falls match and they've already had the rematch. And you also got to remember that this wasn't the program that they were they thought they would be dealing with at this point. I mean, we were all expecting Ciampa Gargano at NXT New York. And they had to, by the seat of their pants, come up with something new and interesting. And they found a way to get this to last two more takeovers. This match was to give, was to try and not necessarily one up what they've done before, but just give you something different compared to what they've done before. And in that respect, they absolutely did it. Now, whether or not it's your cup of tea with all the craziness of that cage or Gargano deliberately getting disqualified for the first one, just so that he can start wailing on him in the second round, you know, to each their own. But in, I, I found myself enjoying it a lot more once it just became the, the crazy weapons filled match. What was your take on Gargano intentionally throwing the first fall? And, and it took a little while before he did it as well, but then he got his hand on a weapon. The you know, referee said, don't use it. And of course, he used it. He got himself disqualified. And he's like, well, so be it. The next fall is a street fight, so I'm just going to keep hammering this dude. And, right. and the other thing was, too, I thought once you know he had that chair and it's like street fights on, there was like, okay, he's just going to beat him like super quick and then we're going to get this cage match. But it, that lasted for a while. But that that was one of the things people, some people got upset about was the fact that he intentionally got himself, you know, DQ'd to lose the first fall. Yeah, I I don't know if that was, if, if the intention was, hey, I really want to get inside this cage and beat you with stuff. Because that's actually something Johnny has run into in the past where he's made mistakes is, during the Champa Street fight, he's like, "No, I I need to make you suffer more," and that was what wound up costing him. It's like I need to hit this one big move on you during the Last Man Standing match, and it cost me there too. Like I, I you keep getting in your own way. It's it's your what your ego that's getting in front of you, and that's why you keep falling short. If they were playing into that, that's great. That was not explained well enough by either of the guys in the ring or the guys at commentary if that's the story they were trying to tell otherwise yeah he just kind of comes off looking like an idiot yeah and maybe it could have been told a little bit better in commentary i can agree with you on that i i just look at this going was it as good as their previous match that they had no but it was still really really good and it was a it was it was done in a different way because this is the end of this program this isn't like a step to get to here. This was the end of the program. This was, hey, we both won 
on a couple of different shows. So this is going to be the blow off. We really don't like each other. So let's go out there and let's do something that's really going to define like, hey, whoever comes away with the championship here, that's it. We're going our separate ways after this one. And that's why they did the match that they did. And they busted their ass and they had a, especially once they got that cage out there, they were killing each other. I, I love that they showed the cage before the beginning of the show. Like William Regal announced, hey, if it goes to a third fall, it's this weapons cage match. And they're showing the cage and you could see all the different weapons around it. And you're like, okay, there's a chair on the side and there's a kendo stick. And is that an axe? That's an axe. <laughs> Was it? Was there an axe? There was an axe, dude. I was just like, does somebody have hatchet skills? What the hell are they going to do with that thing? Are we, are we, is this Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Are we going to say, just put a flesh wound or something and hack a limb off? I'm like, what the hell is going on here? No, there, there was that. There was a sledgehammer. They had the, the fire extinguisher, obviously. The crowd there live was so bummed out when they took this bag and the sign and everybody's like, oh, that's thumbtacks. Open it up. Pour it out, no thumbtacks, but there's wire cutters because the top of the cage is surrounded by barbed wire. Did, did you see the uh, the pliers and think of the uh, Batista Triple H match from Mania, where he's got him by the nose ring? No, I didn't even think of that. I was like, oh no, they're bringing that back. <laughs> I, I mean, I figured at that point they got to use the barbed wire. I, I was. I was really curious what they were going to do with that. I thought maybe they were going to both be up on the top of the cage and they were going to tease the barbed wire or maybe like Undisputed Arrow was going to try to get in, but there's barbed wire and they're like, oh, we can't do this, you know, and, and everything. But instead, they actually cut off a piece and they teased using it, but it didn't happen. And even the way that Cole won the match, it was like they both did an ST plunge, you know, off the top of the cage through only one of the two tables that were set up. And Cole just happened to land on top of him and kind of survive this match. And I guess the questions we have now out of this are, first of all, who do you think is going to be next for Cole? Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's a good question. Um, because we don't know what the situation is with Chumba. Well, we have to assume that he's getting closer to a comeback, but we don't know what he's what they're going to do with him once he's back. I don't think Chomp is going to be able to come back until next year or, or very late this year. Who knows? Maybe. Um, it's kind of a toss-up right now. There really isn't, uh, you know, unless, unless you give me a name, there's no, like, one standout, like, yeah, they're, they're next in line. Like, a Keith Lee, maybe? 
if they want to go that route. I'm trying to think of somebody that they can have a good program with, but somebody that Cole will beat to retain the title. Like Matt Riddle immediately comes to mind, but I think when Riddle gets in there, Riddle's going to win the championship. Maybe yeah, maybe not on his first attempt, but I would think that Riddle's somebody they're going to protect. And maybe the first time he does get in there for a championship match, he, he wins it. So I maybe not him, um, but I, maybe they do something with Pete Dunn. Would that make some sense if they do a one-on-one program there? Maybe, maybe that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't. Dunn isn't booked for Cardiff yet, is he? I don't think so. I believe that's Tyler Bate uh, versus Walter. Okay. And if that's the case, and they want to go, hey, we really want to get people's attention on this card for no other reason than might might veer some eyes away from elsewhere. Could they? Maybe they do it that way. Could they quickly introduce Kushida and do a program with him and Cole? I, I, the, for me, the jury is still out with what they're actually going to do with Kushida. Yeah, I know. Like, he, he's just he's come out, he's done matches, and he's just who he was in New Japan, and that's great. Kushida, Kushida was great in New Japan, but the question is, is how far do you let them go with that before you know the higher ups take a look and go, he needs to be repatched. What's this Back to the Future stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the other question then. What happens to Johnny Gargano? Because I got the sense that Johnny is going to be either taking some time off before he comes back to NXT or gulp, move to the main roster. Move to the, I don't want to say main roster, move to the WWE roster. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to say. Honestly, I would expect Gargano not to move. Because of what we know about what might be coming up in regards to where NXT is by the end of the year, they may want to keep as much talent on that brand as possible. And even if they look at Johnny and go, you need to go to the 205 Live roster, they might look at that roster and go, you know what? We could combine this with NXT and get a lot more bodies and not lose anything. Because let's be honest. As, as fun as some cruiserweight matches have been in the last year since it was kind of repackaged, no one's paying attention. I agree. And, I mean, the, there's a report out there from the Wrestling Observer that NXT is going to get FS1, and that's something that we've been, that's been talked about for a while. He put it out there that some, some Fox affiliates or some FS1 affiliates have already been told or are talking with them like, hey, this is going to happen. And... NXT is going to be on, and tell me if you have uh, know about this time slot a little bit, Wednesday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Oh, Nothing else is going on that night, especially not on TNT. Right. Uh, yeah, head-to-head with AEW. So it, there's a couple things in that, too, because not only that night, which is the same night that NXT drops on the network anyway, but um, it would go to two hours, which puts even more of an importance on established talent or guys that are, you know, established wrestlers or have more experience, which to me takes away from NXT a little bit because part of NXT is let's introduce some younger talent. And even though, yes, we are on TV, it's an opportunity for guys to get TV time and still make mistakes. And you need to make mistakes to continue to get better. I mean, it's just the way that it is. So NXT. Now, what if, 
what if there's a possibility of two NXT shows, which certainly wasn't hinted at in the NXT uh, pre-takeover conference call. Yes. In a question from Dave Meltzer to Triple H. Right, because his whole idea would be, what if there's one that's a TV show with established talent, and what if there's another one with some of the younger guys, but that's the one that's only on the network. So who knows what's going to happen. Triple H was kind of like, who's to say? Right. it it, It was such a specific question that it's like, you know something, or you've heard something. Well, that's something he's theorized even on his own podcast. So maybe maybe he does know something. Maybe he's just coming up with that in his, his mind of the way he's looking at the whole situation. But, hey, if if they're going to go to FS1, especially if they're going to go to FS1, Johnny Gargano would be a huge part of that, and it would make sense for him to stay with NXT. Even if they don't go to FS1, I just think he's a better fit there. And I know everybody's always sitting there going, well, there's going to come that time where what else is there left for him to do with NXT and it's time for him to go. I don't agree with that. I I think, I think there's plenty of other things that they could do with Johnny. I think one of the things they could easily do right now is just take him off TV for three or four months. I mean, he doesn't have to be on there. I mean, it sounds like he was a little bit banged up even going into this match. He had some kind of slight injury, and that's why he wasn't working that much is because they just wanted to make sure it didn't get worse, whatever it was, knee, ankle, whatever the hell it was. But you could take Johnny Gargano off TV for a while. You can do something like that and put him back on because hey, no, I'm not saying he wouldn't fit in WWE, but we know he fits in NXT. We know his value of being a part of NXT. And to me, that's where he belongs. Exactly. And I think it'd be beneficial, especially if you want to talk about getting a product hot real quick. Imagine if they're on FS1 and we kickstart, we restart the Ciampa Gargano feud again. Absolutely. I think that would be fantastic. I mean, and if Ciampa can be back by October, and if that's when they, you know, put NXT on FS1, and by the way, if they, I don't think they would start that show until November. And one of the reasons is because there's a week in late October where Fox is going to be carrying the World Series, which means WWE SmackDown on Fox is going to get bumped to FS1 that week. At the same time, though, would it shock you at all if they've already been shuffling things around and going, okay, we're going to wait for them to announce what night it's going to be on, and then we're going. Yeah. I mean, there's I mean, so many different it possibilities. It wouldn't shock me at all if they've been planning for no matter what date they pick, we match that date. Oh, when it comes to AEW? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, if you listen to Paul Levesque in those conference calls, he'll tell you, like, hey, why is everybody saying we're taking the night of other companies? Why can't we look at it as they're taking our night? Because we're the ones that have been on Wednesday nights for forever. And that's the way they look at it. Like you can, you can watch NXT at any time on the network, but the first time it originally airs is always on Wednesday nights at eight o'clock Eastern. So that's, he's looking at it from that perspective. You, you will lose some ground in that argument. If NXT suddenly becomes live two hours and touring. Now those are all assumptions people have made based off of the initial reports. I don't see that being outside the realm of possibility. I don't think it's a great idea. I don't fully endorse it in any way, but I think it's probably an idea they're thinking about. Oh, it absolutely is. So let's talk about SummerSlam. Must we? Yes. Let's.
I'm kidding. I was actually, I did, I full disclosure, I wasn't looking forward to this show. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. I I think a lot of people are in the same boat with you because we looked at the bill for the show and we're sitting going, what's juicy? What stands out? And what are they going to do to really catch my attention? And I think coming the end of the night, everybody, for the most part, I think was really happy with the show. I think everybody was super happy that it ended what we believe was early um, and it didn't go on to a marathon show, which I commend WWE for that and recognizing like, Let's not go super long with this show. We can we can have it come to a conclusion at a normal time. And it was 1030 Eastern, which was fantastic. And I think there was a lot of crowd-pleasing moments. I think there was some really good wrestling. And I think it ended with the best match of the night. And the big moment of Seth Rollins defeating Brock Lesnar and becoming the Universal Champion. There you go. Now it, now it all becomes a question of what do they do next? Because we were here in April. We thought we were out of the woods. We thought, hey, Seth's beat Brock. We, we can move on to something else. And then a few weeks later, oh, Brock's got the money in the bank contract. Oh, well. Like, I, I think like people really enjoyed this match, and rightfully so. But watch that tune change real quick if in a couple of weeks we go, uh, yeah, Seth's actually fighting Brock at Clash of Champions. I don't think we're going to get that match. He's getting a rematch. <laughs> or, at hell in, or he'll interfere in that match, and it'll be at hell in a cell. Well, when you we watch that show, one of the things we talked about last week at the podcast, and the one thing I think, even as we were watching this show, and we we're kind of trying to figure out in our head, like, where's Roman Reigns going to be on this show? We, we said this last week on the podcast, like, there's no way Roman Reigns is not going to be on this show. Well, they made us look like idiots because Roman Reigns was not on this show. But I thought about this like after the fact from the standpoint that, oh, I know why Roman Reigns wasn't on the show. Well, two reasons. Number one, he didn't really have a super hot program that necessarily made sense to wedge him in on this show. But the other thing was, this show was not about him. This show was all about Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is going to get the career-defining win. He's going to be the one that vanquishes the beast. He's going to be the one standing tall at the end of the night with the pyro, the confetti, and the Universal Championship. And it's all about making him our top babyface. We don't need Roman on this show. It's a heck of a statement to make, and I think it was the right call, especially when we got to SmackDown. It was, you know, and... because. As great as that match was, and we'll get to that, it might have taken some of the shine away from Seth. Because I think had had the match we had on SmackDown been at SummerSlam, the big talking points of the night would have been, what in good God's name was Bray? That thing terrifies me. Mm -hmm. With the the lantern. The lantern of his head! Hey, Seth was great, and hey, that that main event was present great, and what the hell? Roman's a kingmaker now. Yeah. He just let Buddy Murphy take him 13 minutes. Yeah, which was incredible, the way they did that. But if you watch both Raw and SmackDown this week, I thought it was it was so fascinating to see, like, on both shows, you had established super heavyweight guys take on people that before, not too long ago, were part of 205 Live and didn't squash them. Like, mm-hmm. they had good, I mean, like, really good back-and-forth matches. Now, did the heavyweight guys win? Yes, they did. But guess what? Those other guys looked fantastic even in the loss. And both of them got crushed at the end. Like, the Claymore kick, 
that McIntyre gave Cedric Alexander was unbelievable. The spear that Roman hit Buddy Murphy with that turned him into a 360. I mean, yeah. it was like a flapjack out there. I mean, that was awesome as well. And it's, it, it's But at the same time, those weren't the moves people were talking about. They were talking about Cedric hitting a top rope Spanish fly on a big guy like McIntyre. Or half of Murphy's moves, the Meteoras, freaking Kamagoye. Yeah. Breaking that out. I was like, this guy loves the Golden Lover so much. I know. And it, all I can think of after the all I can think after the match was this is the closest we will ever get to Roman versus Kenny Omega, and we kind of just have to live with that. <laughs> wow, I didn't even think about moves like that. Are Omega moves? Come yeah. on. It, it. I mean, just to see how much offense they gave the smaller guys, and you know that both Roman and Drew were so psyched about having like great matches with these guys. They have no problem selling for them, taking the moves, whatever they're going out. They're going, hell yeah, let's go out there. Let's tear it up. Like, you know, and they're, they're more than willing to give them their fair share of offense and to go out there and to sell and do everything that they did in those matches. It was, it was fantastic, but yeah, getting back to SmackDown, I mean, Seth Rollins, it was his night. He had the awesome match back, out back there. To SummerSlam. Can, can I just say one more thing about Roman sure. uh, Murphy? Yeah. So to me, I feel like we all turned a corner on John Cena somewhere in about 2013, 2014, where he stopped being the top guy and instead became the measuring stick, the kingmaker, if you will. He was, when he was United States champion, it wasn't about, hey, John Cena's our biggest star. We need to have him in every main event beating Randy Orton and Triple H week after week after week and overcoming the odds it's no i want to see a young competitor come up to me and give me your best shots and it may and it turned guys like cesaro like neville like ko like Sami Zayn. it set it took them from relative obscurity to oh hey this guy can hang with our top guy and if roman reigns has already hit that level of his career i am so looking forward to the next couple of years with him if he's already at the level of I'm willing to bring guys up with me that are lower than me having to keep establishing myself as the top man. That Neville match in particular that you talk about with Cena, that was one that I I really think when you talk about that analogy, like that was the one that really stands out. Because remember, there was a moment in the match where I thought, dear God, Neville is going to be John Cena. They made us believe that. I mean... Sami Zayn match. That was the match where Sami Zayn threw out his arm because he was so excited. He was getting in the ring and he waved his arm so hard that he threw his arm out of socket, you know? Um, and the KO match turned that guy into a legit main eventer. Absolutely. He beat him. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that'll be interesting to see if we if that's where we're at now when it comes to Roman, but... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. When you look at SummerSlam, I mean, I think there was only one bad finish, and that was the double count out between Kofi and Randy. Which you you can probably imagine irked me a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I thought of you when that happened. I'm fine with you having a program go a couple of months. But this was the time to give Kofi a win. Like, the promos they had building up to this show, it's like, you weren't going to get any better than this. And you saw how the crowd reacted. They were pissed. They were pissed even after when Kofi's beaten the bejesus out of him. Because it wasn't about that. It was about we want to see Kofi get the definitive win. A lot of people had circled this match as, you know what? His his moment when he won the championship was great, but he hasn't had a definitive moment with the title since, and this was the night to do it. And I'm miffed that we were robbed of that. Now, we'll get it later. I'm sure we will. I just kind of, I wish it had happened. That's I'm all, with you. I, I do not believe that when you do a, a pay-per-view, if that's what you still want to call these, especially a major one like SummerSlam, and you do a non-finish. Like, SummerSlam is a night where you have all finishes. I mean, quite honestly, like, if, if way you, back in the day, it used to be that way. We're like, oh, J- Junkyard Dog's not going to get a definitive win. But we stopped doing that because we just, we, we, we communicated to the fans that, hey, this is the night where all the stuff that's been built up to culminates. In fact, it was, like you said, this was the night where every, it's like WrestleMania, like back in the day. And I know plenty has changed between now and then. Uh, but this is a night that everything builds up to. And then guess what happens? We start new programs right after that. And they decided to go with a double count out that pissed everybody off. The The other thing that, that really surprised me on the show wasn't who won necessarily. It's how they won. And that both Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair beat Canadians by making them tap out. Y'all seriously overestimated the the Canada aspect of this thing. I, you it, really did. I know. I, I think a lot of people did. I mean, I I, I wasn't like, surprised. Natalia wasn't even getting universally cheered. She was not. She absolutely was not. And she definitely didn't get cheered uh, on TV after that. But like Charlotte and Trish. I mean, I think everybody thought Charlotte was going to win. It made a lot of sense. I thought Trish looked really, really good, especially this is the first singles match she's had in like a decade or something. And she went out there and looked really good and had a really good match. But Longest I, match of the night. It was. It was, what, uh, almost 17 minutes. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just thought that Charlotte was going to beat her uh, by pinning her, and she made her tap out. So, I mean, the other match, there had to be a submission. It was a submission match. But, um, yeah. yeah, they did it here, and I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, Bailey and Ember Moon, flat match. Goldberg and Ziggler, say what you will, it was fun. I mean, I know some people say maybe Goldberg got called back one too many times. But, I mean, he sawed that dude in half with a spear so many different times. And it was that's what people wanted to see. Like, Goldberg, just go out there and beat the bejesus out of this dude. And, you know, even after you do it, do it again. And if 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 the new gimmick with Ziggler is the Black Knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, I'm all for it. Yeah. That's well, hilarious. I think so, too, man. Just like, yeah. I will never be defeated as I lie here in pain on the ground. 
If you were a real man, you could beat me again. Anybody can get lucky two times in a row. Any idiot can beat me twice. <laughs> can you do it a third time? Dun, dun, dun. No, it was that was the best usage of Goldberg that you could have asked for. Like people are like, no, he needs to be he needs to be a ten minute in ring classic so he can prove himself after what happened at Super Showdown. No, play the hits. That's what you do with Goldberg. That's how it's always been with Goldberg. They teased he was going to lose the match. Like Ziggler came right out of the gate. Was beating him up, got a two count, got a couple of false finishes, and then Goldberg got his wits, sawed him in half, gave him a jackhammer, beat him, and then he came back and did it two more times. That's Perfect. that's that's what you wanted, man. People just wanted to chant his name as he came to the ring and watch him hit his big moves, and that's what you got. So the 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 fiend was another thing that was short, to the point, exactly what people wanted. It was mostly him on offense. They wanted the creepiness. The freaking lantern of his head was just something that's going to be tough to shake out of your mind when you go to sleep at night. Uh, I, I adored the new entrance. It was really, really I, good. I, I didn't know who Code Orange was. I know like punk metalheads will love love their stuff, but like I thought they were just going to give you new music and said it's this twisted, distorted version of the original kind of light upbeat not upbeat but just easygoing song with a lot of bass and suddenly it's this this heavy punk song you're like holy crap i didn't even realize it was as it was a playoff of his former music until and like if you listen if you listen closely you know how they do the he's got the hurt and the heel gloves mm-hmm. when you hear like the chorus going like rah, rah, if you listen closely it's hurt heel hurt heel i'm like Jesus Christ, they have put thought into this. Wow. But I mean, I thought that was everything it needed to be. We didn't see him on TV this week. I think they're trying to let it breathe a little bit. Well, he, he committed murder on Sunday. You saw they give him just snapping Finn's neck. Yes, I know. Like, I was just like... Local wrestler gets tired of this crap and kills his <laughs> opponent. <laughs> so here's the question then when it comes to this. Okay, so The Fiend is over. Uh, Bray Wyatt is over. He was before, especially when he first debuted. Um, they sold a bunch of Firefly Funhouse merchandise on the website that immediately sold out. Like it and, was an AEW ticket. Yes. And I think The Fiend was one of the top trending things on Sunday night. So what's next for The Fiend? Ooh. Well, he's technically on Raw. And for all the talk of the wild card thing going away, it hasn't this week. And Based on what we know, it probably won't be going away next week. I would love me some Bray Wyatt versus Aleister Black. I don't think they'll do it. But that that's the program I want next. I don't want him immediately inserted into a uh, into a title picture with Seth. Because oh. I don't think I don't I'm not he does not need to lose now at all. Way too and soon I, for that program. Way too soon. Yeah. That's like, what I'm thinking. I mean him against Black would be fun. I think it's way too early to do that as well. That's something I think you got to build to because I think you can go, I think you can go a couple of months. Like he doesn't, he's not going to wrestle clash champions. I don't think, but yeah. in the weeks that follow, you can do the, Oh, the puppets in the background. Does that mean he's going after this guy? And then he shows up in the ring and mandible claws people week after week. And it's like, who's he going to attack next? Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated to see this. I mean, and I think the other thing is people are going to be like, okay, WWE, 
never understood Bray Wyatt. Now he's back in a more twisted, demonic way. Do they still not get him? But even more importantly, even if they don't truly get him, would they at least capitalize on him a little bit more this time than they did the first time? Because I think the selling out of the merch has them going, oh yeah, we we, we can't screw around with this guy. Well, that's we the whole thing. Like, you might not understand why it's popular or how exactly it's popular or all these different things. Just know that your fan base is into this as weird, as creepy, as demented, as whatever you want to call it, it is. Like, people are into it. And I'm not saying like, oh, well, that means he's got to be the champion tomorrow. No, that just means you have to find a way to keep him on the show in an intriguing way that still keeps people on the edge of their seats and creeped out and engaged. That's what you've mm-hmm. got to do with this guy. You can build up to those moments of he's going to win a championship or not or whatever, but there's ways to still keep him very, very strong. Like we saw that early on with him and then like, once it got to that next point, it was just like, what are they going to do with him? And is he going to win a championship? And it was just kind of like, we don't really get this guy. So I'm not it, sure what how to book him. To the point where when we finally gave it to him, it, it fit like a glove, but they had plans for other stuff. So it didn't matter. Yeah. It's just like. He was the Jay White of the WWE championship. Hey, oh, <laughs> there it is. Bray understands himself. So let Bray come up with some ideas. Let Bray do the promos, do the vignettes, do whatever. You choose the programs he's going to be in with, obviously, but you, you don't have to totally understand everything. It's, it's like, go back to, um, you know, Matt Hardy when we saw his alter ego. It's just like, you don't have to totally understand that, but just know, like, it's connecting with our audience. We've got to do something with this. That that that's probably about the best comparison that's out there when it comes to what we're getting with the fiend. And I have I have no idea who's going to work with next. Obviously, it's got to be some kind of super baby face. But can can he, can he take out Shane McMahon for us though? Lord, I wish, but he's too busy finding people now. I I know there was a couple of different things that happened on TV this week that people were really jazzed up about. But to me, one of my favorite moments on TV was Kevin Owens in the ring, Shane McMahon's music hitting, and the reaction that Kevin had, where he like spoke for everybody when he like put his hands in his head and fell to his knees. It was just like, dear God, why why is this guy here? here? Yes, exactly. (laughs) It was so wonderful, man. It was just like, this is why we love Kevin Owens, because he's so genuine about this. He's speaking for all of us. But what, what what was your big moment of the week when it came to TV? Well, the Murphy match we've already talked about for me, I think that was not only the best match of the televised week, but probably the most interesting storyline going between Buddy, Roman, Brian, and uh, Rowan, because it's not, yes, it's goofy, and it's had really goofy moments, but it's something different. It's it's not being told in the same way as every other wrestling storyline, and it's actually getting a good match out of it, without even still knowing the end result of this mystery. I was going to say, where are the, um, where are the people backstage that are promising this is a, a safe work environment? Because two weeks in a row, we, we've seen different people get attacked and smashed up against the wall trying to get information out of them. There's a murderous clown that shows up on a whim and a guy that hides in a dark back room going, please knock so I can fight you. Or Rowan attacking a guy on the SummerSlam kickoff show and saying, keep my name out of your mouth. 
who I swear is getting more Celtic tattoos by the week. Maybe he is. But uh, I want his collection of heavy metal t-shirts. <laughs> we don't know how many he has. He, he's got bands I've never even heard of that are on there, man. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I there was a couple of really good matches this week. I I think I think McIntyre and, and Cedric was obviously very good as well. Charlotte and Ember Moon I thought was was really good. So let's get to kind of the big overriding story of both shows. And it was a, it was a weird information drip that made me think, did you guys think this thing the whole way through? Cause you, you told us what's happening, but didn't give us any information after that. And it's the King of the Ring tournament. Yes. Cause when they first announced it, you thought, Oh, it's gonna be like the past couple where it all takes place in one night. And then they go, actually it starts on raw and you go, so it's going to end on SmackDown the next night. And now there's reports it might last all the way. It's going to last all the way up to Clash of Champions. Right. And today, you had MSG confirm that the semifinals are going to take place during Raw and SmackDown that week. So hmm. we're, it's this weird, like, did you plan this out? Or are you just now thinking, thinking tournament? Uh, how long are we going to space it out for? Uh, 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 get, come back to me on that one. I'm on the Wikipedia page. And they're saying that next week, both Raw and SmackDown will be uh, the first round. The quarterfinals are to be announced. But then uh, the semifinals, like you said, Madison Square Garden, that's not until September 9th or 10th. And then the finals will be at Clash of Champions, which is September 15th. So it's going to be like this huge gap. None of which they announced on either show. Which makes you think they didn't plan it out because if they had all that information, they would have just told you that they're on the spot. But wouldn't it make more sense too? Like you said, if we did the tournament every week, and then even if they already knew it was going to be in the finals and there was a gap of two or three weeks before Clash of Champions where you're going to do the finals, so be it. Then you can do a little back and forth between them in that time to go to that, you know, that final match. But I'm personally all for it being spread out. I just I'm worried about how much thought was put into this because we still don't have a bracket. No bracket. It's a tournament with no brackets. We know who's in it, but we have no idea what the brackets are. So like Raw, we've got Corbin, Cedric Alexander, Cesaro, McIntyre, Miz, Ricochet, Sami Zayn, Samoa Joe, SmackDown. It's Ali, Andrade, Apollo Cruz, Buddy Murphy, Chad Gable, Elias, Kevin Owens, Shelton Benjamin, and one youngster by the name of Xavier Woods is absolutely heartbroken that he is not one of the 16 participants in the King of the Ring. Uh, Which breaks my heart too. This guy has been talking about this so much. And then it's like, yeah, you're not in it, but Shelton Benjamin's in it. Chad Gable's in it. And it's nothing against those guys, but it's just like, Oh, I give me Chad Gable all day. Well, yeah. Like Mr. Shelton, let me divert my eyes around the room and call it a promo. <laughs> so as, as you sit here and you look, those are the 16. Who is your way too early to choose favorite to win the King of the Ring? Oh, Baron Corbin's a favorite. Uh, Andrade, I think, could get the most mileage out of it. Drew McIntyre, I know Booker T, that's his pick. Uh, he's a good pick there, and then on the and then on the smack. Well, no, Andrade's on SmackDown, I think. 
Where is he on? Yeah, Andrade's on SmackDown. And by the way, Booker no, T. No, yeah, he, Andrade's he, on SmackDown, but he got moved. Booker um, T had said uh, that he thinks there's a lot that would make sense when it comes to McIntyre from the standpoint that you could pronounce him as the Scottish King. But th- we we saw that 10 years ago, not 10, nine years ago with Sheamus. And dude looks like he's coming out of the Woodland Forest. It, Look I'll, at me in my weird wood crown and staff. I'll tell you what, if you are McIntyre, if okay, because I think it's almost got to be a heel that wins this, okay? Unless it's Buddy, and then they use this to launch him into something. Because well, you know the the other thing, the, the thing that I wish that they would convey is sometimes winning the King of the Ring tournament meant you had a title shot the next month. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. Remember, this was how we had Brock Lesnar challenge The Rock. Was he won King of the Ring? Turned right around and said, I'm challenging you. And And we had Brock versus Rock. And I don't remember uh, Brock Lesnar wearing a uh, king's robe and a crown. No, and Austin didn't either. He just walked up, did Austin 316, and then said, Absolutely, because like to me, the only baby face that I think could win this thing that would make sense would be Ricochet. And that's to take him to the next level. But for the most part, when you're doing King of the Ring, it makes so much more sense for a heel to win it. And I'll tell you what, if they want to do the crown and the scepter and whatever, if I'm a badass heel, like, say, a Drew McIntyre, there's no way in hell I want to wear that stuff because I don't want to be made fun of. Now, if you're Baron Corbin, I think it makes sense because Baron's like one of these guys, like, he just doesn't get why people don't like him kind of a thing. And it's like over yeah. his head. So it makes sense for him to, to have it. I mean, I know a lot of people would frown like, Oh my God, Baron that's, Corbin won King of the ring, but it makes sense. I'm afraid when I have a feeling no matter what, that guy's going to get a run in this tournament. Cause people are going to be dreading the idea of him winning. I could see him winning it though. I, to me, he would be the I guy with pick right now. I, but I think Andrade could use it the same way Booker did when he became King Booker. Yep. Um, where you just have Zelina coming out every week going, Oh, hell, Andrade! Well, it'd be like the reverse of Coming to America, where she would, or, or no, actually it'd be the same as Coming to America, what I'm saying, where they drop the rose petals in front of the king, you can only walk on that? Sure. <laughs> that didn't sound like a great validation of my comparison there. I Well, you, you switch from Coming to America, a movie I do have vague rep knowledge of, to The Sims? No, 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 no. Yeah, I think the the feed broke up there for a second. No, for some reason I was like misremembering who was who exactly did the the rose petal droppings. It was it was the the, the women did it for the king, you know. Okay, yeah. For some reason I was okay, I, I was thinking they almost did it for the queen, but I think they I did th- it for the queen. They did it for the king. They did it for everybody. Okay, I thought you. I thought for some. I thought you said the Sims or the Simpsons. I was like, you've lost me, mate. <laughs> But yeah, no, this this tournament could be a lot of fun. There are a few guys that you look at it and you go, wow, Sami Zayn's losing right quick. Probably. No matter, no matter who he's wrestling, ditto Shelton Benjamin. Even though, but, wouldn't it be a lot of fun to see Sami's, Sami Zayn wearing the crown and coming out with his music and doing the over-exaggerated thing? He's doing the big wavy dance. He's got a crown of staff. Oh, and a cape. Oh, it, he but, he could do so much with that. But yeah, or you know, guess who? Guess what you have when you have Sami Zayn in a tournament with Kevin Owens? <laughs> you you book a match between those two. Yes, you do. Please, like, give me that. Like, there's ways you can do this right 
where it's not just about, hey, here's the guy who won. Because we just we just earlier gave 30 minutes talking about the G1, where a dozen stories were going on at once. I'm not asking for a dozen, but give me three. Give me give me three guys that are telling different stories of how they're advancing their tournament. Baron's cheating, Andrade's using Zelina, and you know either Buddy or Ricochet are, are coming back with these crazy moves to pull off wins, and they're making a run, and they're they're the the underdogs each time. It's highly There's unlikely like that, that would happen, but I'll tell you what: to do a finals of Sami Zayn against Kevin Owens to see who's going to be crowned the King of the Ring would be something. Considering Sammy can't win a match on television to save his life. Right. Hard to believe, but if you had that in the quarterfinals, hell yes. Why not? The The other big thing that they did on TV this week was the return of Sasha Banks as she came back as Natalia was doing a promo and talking about how her arm was all screwed up and Sasha turned heel, turned on Natalia, beat the living hell out of her to the uh, excitement of the Canadian crowd, um, who I guess just love Sasha Banks more than they love Natalia for whatever reason, or, you know, um, and then, um, Becky Lynch came out and Sasha beat her up as well. And then, I mean, really, really beat her up with a chair, including one, uh, wayward chair shot that actually hit Becky in the back of the head while she was okay. outside the ring. Um, that, I mean, WWE trying to get sympathy on Natalia. I know you're in Canada and I know you're trying, but guess what? People love Sasha. People love it when somebody returns. And people really love it when somebody turns heel. I mean, typically, they like that. It's something different, especially on a show like this. The night after SummerSlam with a really hot, smart crowd. I mean, you they had to have known, or I would like to think they had to have known, that Sasha was going to get cheered. People are not going to boo her for this for this action, no matter how nasty they might think it was going to be. It's Sasha Banks. She's back. She's been off TV for a while. I mean, boy, did they try to get, to get as much sympathy for her. Talking about Neidhart dying and having a broken arm and being in front of her hometown. And, oh, here comes Sasha Banks and, ah, you hit me. Why? And the crowd's like, thank you. We were tired of listening to her talk. Like, they did. you didn't read the room. I mean, but people absolutely love Sasha. It's like, oh, it's a wig. Surprise, I have blue hair now. I, I love that the blue hair is a sign of being a heel. Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't get that either. Le- Leva Bates and Mia Yim would beg to differ. Right. But the whole thing about Natalia bringing up her father, who passed away one year to the day, I know that she probably was comfortable doing it. Maybe she even pitched it. I'm not comfortable with it. And I do think that there comes a point where it's just like, no matter if talent wants to do something like this or not, we've got to curb even our talent. And I just, it it wasn't the most egregious thing they've ever done, obviously. But at the same time, it's just like, can we get past this moment where we're using our deceased family members and storylines? Can we, can we please not do that? Yeah, There's a time and place for it. I wasn't too broken up by it or frustrated, but, yeah, it, it for me, it's just kind of washed over with like, oh, there's something much more important going on right now. Now, are you excited for a Sasha-Becky feud that will mostly take place on social media? Yes, I, I actually am because I, th- I think it's something different and I think they can have really good matches. I want to see how long this plays out for. Um, I don't think Sasha's necessarily going to beat her. Maybe she will, but 
it's something different it's something i didn't see coming so i'm cool with it i mean i'm the same guy that said last week that i thought ronda rousey was going to appear on SummerSlam, and obviously i was dead wrong about that but um i didn't see this coming that sasha was going to come back and, and feud with becky so i'm i'm all for it i am too and i i'll be the first to admit i'm, I'm not a hundred percent a fan of sasha there's hang-ups i have with her but that's neither here nor there right now becky made a comment to Natalia when their feud first started that Natalia needed Becky for her career at this point. Becky needed Sasha at this point because she went from main eventing WrestleMania to the most important thing she did this week was make the cover of the video game. Nobody walked into Sunday thinking Natalia had a shot at her and the amount of momentum that she's lost since WrestleMania with those incessant Lacey Evans matches. I think that hurt her. I think that hurt her momentum considerably compared to where she was. Cause she was the hottest thing running there for a good while. Not right now. No, I mean, she definitely that, fell off a step or two with somebody that can, you know, match her not only in the ring and on the mic, but also on social media, which was kind of what, like she was just dribbling you know, Ronda Rousey on social media, just calling her Ronnie and making fun of her constantly and all that. And people were just eating it up. And Ron, no matter what Ronda did, it was like, oh, you suck. You you can't do this like she can. But there's a, there is a, it's like Beyonce with Sasha. There's a bay hive for her. And if you say anything bad about her, everybody comes at you. That's what I was going to say. Like, we, I'm going to be very curious to see where the audience goes with this because obviously Sasha is going to be positioned as the heel, but it might, they might, it might be what they were trying to do with Becky last year where it's, Oh, she's the heel. And all the crowd goes, yeah, no, not for a second. Yay. Right. And that's where we might not be at right now, because it's like one of those things like it's cool to cheer the heel kind of a thing, you know, and, and we haven't seen Sasha in a while. So I, and I think it could be, it could be one thing like on social media, the way that they're treated and it could be different when it comes to the live audiences as well so it's the 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 dynamic between those two as this goes on is i think it's going to be really really interesting for sure so do we want to talk glow before we leave or do we want to save that for next week we can talk about glow um well, let me ask you this real quick though as we're sitting right now what two matches do you feel most confident in happening at clash of champions uh becky sasha because they're not going to wait and Seth Braun, even though I'm not a fan of where what you would have to do to get there, I feel like that's where they're going. Yeah, I think so too. Which is totally strange in that. Was oh it? wait, duh, no, Randy Kofi. That's a slam. Dunk. Oh yeah, yeah, that's gonna happen. That's gonna happen. I I agree though. I think Seth and, and Braun's gonna happen, but it's just so weird the way they're gonna set that up. Like I think it was I think it was Tuesday afternoon. The WWE put out this tweet that said Braun Strowman has accepted AJ Styles' challenge and will face him for the U.S. Championship on Monday. And I was like, wait a second. Why the hell would AJ challenge Braun Strowman? That makes no sense. It's so they, the three can try to beat up Braun. I guess, but I was just like, that's weird. I thought they were going to do the six-man on Monday and they're going to do AJ and Braun. Well, they could easily turn it into a six-man. We all know that goes. Oh, yeah. uh, do you, um, I, I'm not going to dive deep into this, but any surprises you saw from the Super J Cup? 
they really want to get rid of Amazing Red quickly. Probably, because he's going to be in there with Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay asked for Amazing Red to be in this. He wanted to face him. Right. I just, it, And I remember that was a big deal. It's like, holy crap, Amazing Red's coming back. How long is he going to be in the tournament? One match. Probably one match. So uh, the the people that are in this tournament, it's, let's see, they got the, the left side of the bracket, the first night, it's Osprey against Amazing Red, Show against Ishimori, Clark Connors against TJP, who's in this, and then Robbie Eagles against El Fantasma, which is a ridiculous first-round match. And then the other side, you've got Taguchi against Gresham, Yo against Dragon Lee, holy cow, um, Karistico against Bushi, and Rocky Romero against Soberano Jr. And Neat. Yes. And if you didn't yeah, know yeah. what this tournament's... You, know who t- needs to win? you need to know who wins this tournament? Who's that? Will Ospreay. I don't think he does. Will needs to win everything. That's, that's well, we love it, Will, but by the way, how it works now. This is taking place Thursday the twenty second through the twenty fifth. So not not this weekend, but the following weekend. This is this is happening. I think I think Will's going to be in the finals, but I don't think he's going to win. I I guess if I had to pick, I think Dragon Lee's going to win. I don't know. It, it, that's going to be a crazy little tournament that they're doing. And that's, if you don't know, this is taking place up in, um, let's see, it's in Tacoma, Washington. They're doing some matches in um, San Francisco. Um, the finals are in the Walter Pyramid over in Long Beach. So as if we don't have enough wrestling already, then, hey, let's get ready for another crazy weekend. Sure, why not? Right? Wee! Wee! Uh, let's talk about Glow, and then we'll take a couple questions, and we'll wrap it up. So, actually, actually, let's bump Glow to next week. You want, we got you want to bump Glow? We got, we got questions, and we're already this thing's already clicking ninety minutes. It is. So, but I, you watched Glow even before it dropped on Netflix, right? Perhaps you did, and then maybe uh, I, there, there might, there just might be a review of the season up on comicbook.com right now. Really. Maybe there is. Maybe everybody should go check that out then. And then, um, I don't know how I did it, but I somehow, between wrestling this past weekend, I watched all of Glow. I guess a lot of it is because most episodes are only like 30 minutes. I think the longest episode is 45 minutes. And so only like yeah, one or two the, of those. The, the time, they are not strict with it all. They they fly by the seat of their pants with that. I, I remember when I turned it on, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. They're only 30-minute episodes. I totally forgot about that. So... That was cool. Uh, let's get to a couple questions. You can leave your questions on our Facebook page. Go to facebook.com backslash between the ropes and leave your questions at the post that I put up there. Let's just take a few of these. Um, Bill Dixon asks, with Ibushi winning G1 and New Japan having to fill the Tokyo Dome two days in a row next year, what matches do you think we will see headlining Wrestle Kingdom next year? Do you have the IWGP Heavyweight Champion defend his title twice or will Jushin Thunder Liger headline in his final match? Mm. I think Liger is going to challenge Will Ospreay for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. I I think Liger will be featured in some capacity. I don't think it's that high up. I think it, it's a it's a it's a match earlier in the night where it's hey Liger wins good for you buddy. Yeah, because if he doesn't face Osprey, the only the other guy that I would think that makes the most sense in facing Osprey would be Hiromu. Mm-hmm. So um we Who would be just over unbelievably. Yes. And his and if that's his return match. 
I mean, we talked about the other matches we thought were going to headline. Um, I guess the only other matches I could think of would be maybe Kenta against Goto. Does that make sense? For the never open way, aren't they already building towards that? Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it makes sense because Goto and Shibata that they're 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 a pair. Like they're they're good friends and what is it like they're high school roommates or something? Something like that. Roommates? Yeah. Uh, if Juice Robinson has the U.S. Championship by then and is not going to face Moxley on that show, who could he face? Um. You know what? I, want, I have I have pictured the perfect match after hearing all of these chants. Okay. Juice versus Moose. <laughs> Impact Wrestling. Juice. Moose. Juice. Moose. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get that one, but that's pretty funny. Lie to me and tell me you wouldn't love that. <laughs> you can't. I wouldn't mind seeing Juice against um, uh, Lance Archer. As something. You know, Lance. Uh, Lance. You know, didn't win a lot, but he impressed. He looked really good. He's minus one tag partner, which I what last time I said, wait, no, what about the Killer Elite Squad? I didn't realize. Oh wait, Davy Boy left, and I didn't realize. Yeah, and Oops. I mean, and Lance is somebody we didn't talk about, but man, he upped his stock uh, in the G One this year too. Um, let's see. Uh, Al Al Sharif asks. AEW's current roster, as diverse as it is, seems to be lacking depth. Outside of CM Punk, who no one is sure what he's doing at this point, I'm sure he's not going to AEW. Uh, who do you think AEW Are you should? Sure, Ryan? I feel. Are you positive? I'm just. We no, don't need to go down. Nobody can be 100 positive. But he asked some. Um, who do you think AEW should sign to make up for this and uh, give the original elites a run for the money? Well, if you if you ask Cody, he'll tell you we've only seen about 40 percent. Of the current roster. Only 40% of the signed talent has actually been revealed on AEW program. Well, they did reveal this past week that Orange Cassidy is part of the company, which... And if you saw my Twitter account, you know that him and Leva Bates is only a matter of time. Yeah. Which... That's happening. uh, Orange Cassidy is such a polarizing character, and I think so many different people don't get him, or people that like aren't super smart fans that are watching indies all the time or online. If you put that match on TV, um, like within the first month while you're trying to bring back all these other wrestling fans or whatever, I think people would look at that and go, what the hell is that? If they do a typical Orange Cassidy match. There's a right way to introduce him. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but you can't just you can't walk in with everybody expecting you to know the joke. Oh yeah, like like Jim and Marvez and Excalibur need to walk up. I mean, Excalibur needs to be like, "No, guys, this is what he does," and the other should be like, "What the heck is he doing? Hmm. Why is he barely kicking that guy?" And Excalibur would be like, "Oh my god, he's a madman! <laughs> he's brutalizing his opponent. <laughs> Someone call an ambulance." I'm not exactly sure who else they could sign that would. I mean, LAX is the guys that really come to mind. I think LAX te- te- get Tessa Blanchard. Stop teasing with this. Yes, Tessa just, would be fantastic. Just go get you have her dad. Have him make one phone call. Go get Tessa Blanchard. She will be your Charlotte Flair. Can on a, on a little side note, can I throw out a name of somebody that? Um, 
maybe a free agent in several months. And it's a pretty, pretty predominant name in a company right now that actually holds a championship. Okada Kazuchika? Uh, no. That would be the current Ring of Honor champion, Matt Taven, whose contract ends in a couple of months. I don't know. Ring of Honor likes them some kingdom. They do. They did set up at the end of, well, not the end of the show, but after he, after Taven beat Shelly to hold on to the championship, they did have Roosh come to the ring and set up something between the two of them. And I would not be surprised if Roosh was the guy that beat Taven for the championship. And then the question comes, is Taven going to leave Ring of Honor? And if so, where does he go? Might go follow his kingdom buddies over in WWE, or maybe not. Who the heck? This is the problem with speculating, is that we are always the last to know. Oh, yeah. When it it comes to these, because they love to keep this stuff well guarded. Nobody knew about Teal Piper. Oh yeah, but and I mean that drops on a YouTube video. What well, like, to like uh, Marty Skrull? We know we know Marty's contract is coming up. But do we really know what he's going to do? I mean, everybody thought Slam Dunk he's going to AEW. I don't think it it's just like a Slam Dunk. It seems that well, it seems like every three months we say his contract's coming. His contract's coming up. It's like it's August. When's his contract up? Well, I think a lot of people for whatever reason thought it was up in April, and it's not up I until. I thought so too. I think it's up. It, if I had to make an education educated guess on it. It's either the end of October or November. And I think that's when Tavins is up is somewhere in that period. I, I think he's going to AEW because he's so well connected with the elite guys so much so that he's still in the being the elite video at the start of every episode. I'm going to make a wild prediction. And say Marty scroll stays with ring of honor. You're crazy. I, you're you're cr- Brian. You're crazy on this one. Okay. Maybe I am. We'll see. I think you're nuts. Unless you've got him on speed dial, in which case, get him on this show. I don't have him on speed dial. I've tried to get interviews with him, and I haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> He's one of the few guys I haven't spoken to. Uh, let's see. Um, Francis asks, will you be bu- I love your movies. Francis Reyes, actually. Um, will you be buying the Firefly Funhouse box set or the Boss Funhouse puppet? We can't. It's sold out. Yeah. It's kind of tough right now. We can't get it. Um, which legends would you like to see at SmackDown's 20th anniversary, which is uh, so when uh, SmackDown debuts on Fox on October 4th, uh, WWE has now said we're going to use that as a 20th anniversary uh, show uh, celebrating the 20th anniversary of SmackDown. And uh, we're going to bring back a bunch of legends, including the Stinger. I, I want Jeff Jarrett to come out as Beach Sting. And then Sting comes out as Joker Sting, but has a mask on, and he pulls it off, and it's Crow Sting. And then he Stinger splashes and hits him with the drop, and it's it's TNA Max with WCW. Why I, not? I thought as you were doing that whole thing, you were going to say at one point it was actually Joaquin Phoenix, because we were going to cross-promote the Joker and then, movie. Uh, Hood's going to get pulled off, and it's going to be Vince, and yo, it's me, Austin. I don't know, mate. It's, it, I'd much rather know what matches are going on that night. Oh, and which which celeb- which legend is going to go? Hey guys, it's me. Remember me? K okay, bye. I don't know what match is going to happen, but I'm going to tell you that show is going to, at some point, probably at the end of it, have Brock Lesnar attack Kofi Kingston. That's a good guess. It's uh, a yeah, very good guess. And then when it comes to legends that I want to see on that show, I only have one that comes to mind, and I desperately want to see him. Sid. 
Sid Vicious. You're <laughs> damn right. <laughs> we didn't get him on the Raw special, so let's get him on SmackDown. And I'm using the term legend a little bit loosely with Sid, but I don't care. four-time former world champion. Sure. Multiple WrestleMania marquee matches. Do you know him more, Sid Vicious or Sid Justice? I never have watched a single Sid match in my life. Wow. If that is any indication as to my knowledge of the ruler of the world. Wait till you see the beautiful punches that he throws if you ever get the opportunity to go back and see some stuff. I have many things I need to see before then. Uh, Sure. It's too bad that Scott Hall didn't teach him how to throw a punch. Uh, Let's wrap up with this one. Kerry Frampton asks, with eight superstars from Raw and eight from SmackDown, uh, that's for the King of the Ring, basically, um, is it better to keep the brand separate until the finals? Or do you think there'll be crossover? Yeah, I think they'll keep them separate. No, they need to cross them over. We need Sammy Kevin. Give me Sammy Kevin. Well, there's this whole report, too, now that believes they are, this whole wild card thing is uh, slipping away very quickly. And well, that they want to get rid of it. Met- they may not be mentioning anymore, but it was very alive this week. It was, but allegedly they're going to get rid of it before they go to, uh, they start the, the new deal with Fox. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. The, the problem though is it's just like how much cross promotion can be done because both shows are not on the same network or owned by the same company. Like even this past week, when you know WWE is talking about like on uh, I think it was on Raw and they said hey coming up on uh, you know October fourth celebrate the twentieth anniversary of SmackDown when WWE debuts on Fox and I was like wait they're allowing you to say that or do you just not care I'm like you got to care they're still your TV partners for mm-hmm. Raw coming up so I was I was a little surprised that they did that but it's not the end of the world maybe everybody kind of gets it at this point so. We will see. We will see. So um, next week we'll talk with some glow and um, maybe we'll talk some movies. I know you want to go see good boys really bad. So I actually don't. I know you don't. I really, I really don't. My wife doesn't want to either. I do. I'm, I'm a sick, twisted mind. It's only 90 minutes long. So for whatever reason, I, I want to see it. I'm, I'm afraid that the funniest things are in the trailer, but I'm going to go see it anyway. I promise you, I will watch something this weekend that we can talk about. Oh, I know what that something is. You're going to watch Mindhunters. That's, oh, shoot, that comes out this Friday. Yep, there goes my weekend. Let's put it this way. Uh, This is my week on my day job uh, to work a double shift. And when I'm not flying in the helicopter, I can do whatever I want. And that means I will be slamming out episodes of Mindhunters early on Friday morning. And throughout the day. Sounds good. I've got to be up at the work at six o'clock in the morning. So might as well about, start watching. How about next week? We talk mind Hunter and glow. There's your promo for next week, folks. Tell your friends and everybody that means between now and then you have to watch those shows or else we're going to spoil them for you. Yeah, basically. So because you're not cool. enough. Yes. Thanks everybody for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. 
wherever you listen to your podcasts at, whether it's on your iOS device or whether it's on your Android, Google Play, uh, we're on the TuneIn app, we're on Spotify, all these different places where you listen to your podcast. Please subscribe, spread the word as well. Follow us on social media. Connor's on Twitter at Connor Casey underscore CB. I'm on there at Brian Fritz. You can check out his fine work over at comicbook.com slash WWE. And you can follow my online work over at sportingnews.com as well. And of course, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash between the ropes. If you go there, um, you can always leave your questions for next week's podcast. And as always, a special thank you to everybody that's supporting us on Patreon. You can do that as well and get the ad-free version of this podcast. Just go to patreon.com backslash between the ropes. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.